It's, uh, let's get on with things. Okay, well, can I, can I say it was winter this morning, please? Am I allowed now, finally, to say that it was cold and no one's going to say back to me, oh, it's not cold yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's cold. Got up at six this morning and uh, got things ready and there was the frost thick on the car and the 8 a.m.ers, hardcore, we were there singing away in minus two over in the church there. <laughs> we had a great time, didn't we? Where's Dorothy? Who was, was there a minute ago? Okay, well, um, friends, one of the things I love to do when I get some spare time, in fact, uh, I'm away for two weeks. I'm going on holidays um, on Saturday, so I won't be around next Sunday, the Sunday afterwards. So um, we, uh, we've got some internationally renowned guest speakers coming in the next couple of weeks, which I really look forward to. Um, I won't say who they are, but just when you see them, they, 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 they actually they do a great job. One of the things I love to get up to, I love to go surfing. Uh, big fan of, I, lo- I love the water, I love the salt, um, the wind, the power of the waves and so on. So we're going up to the central coast. I'm hoping to surf pretty much every day if I can. Um, I love watching it as well. I, I can watch at the moment online every single World Surf League Uh, competition, wherever they are in the world. And yes, I do get up at silly times to watch it as well. Um, I love it. At the moment, there's one on a big wave surfing competition on Mexico. Uh, Massive waves, it's sort of beach break. I could bore you with the details. I won't. One of my favourite competitions is the Billabong Pro uh, in Tahiti. And it's at a place called Chopu. Um, It's best described, I think, as a frightening raw power. Now, back in 2011, Organisers postponed the competition and they closed the harbour in, uh, where it is in, in this island in Tahiti due to what's called a code red. The waves were just too big and too dangerous. Now, here's an Australian report of the carnage. Enjoy. The surf is so t- dangerous in Tahiti, a code red's been declared, banning everyone from the water. The Billabong Pro was cancelled, but unbelievably, some daredevils still risk their lives taking on seven metre waves. This is Chopu in all her fury. Waves nearly as thick as they are high, the whole weight of the ocean was behind them. Oh my God. It sounded like thunder. The locals call that the warning drums beating. But these madmen ignored them. They are big wave chasers, and this is a once in a lifetime swell. That was the worst situation I think I've ever been in. I mean, like, thinking, like, ooh, wow, my kids and stuff. Like, so that's when I just decided to relax. Most of them got lost in the whitewash. It was like a supersized washing machine. And when the reef was dry and baring its teeth, the wipeouts were sickening got no control over the situation you know you try your best and uh, just hope for the end. Being out here right now it's just plain terrifying seeing these huge walls of water coming at us actually makes me feel pretty much sick with fear my body's shaking there are boats colliding out here you pretty much just feel helpless. An eerie vibe took over Chopu a tranquil village beaten up as tidal surges came from nowhere. And like clockwork, injured surfers limped back to shore. Incredibly, most with injuries that will fade. 
but stories they will have forever. I'm lucky to be alive, yeah, yes. Yep, this day is going to have a very special place in the folklore of Chopu. In Tahiti, Ros Kelly, NBN News. That is insane. <laughs> I, 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 I can't help, I love the guy, it's Bruce Irons, an American surfer. He says, you know, you know, I just thought about my, my family, my kids, and I just relaxed. <laughs> you think at that point, I just thought about my family and kids, oh, I'd better not do it and risk my life. No, no, no. Uh, it, is, it is, I guess you'd call it chaos, isn't it? Mayhem. They said to themselves, the Australian guy, uh, well-known big wave surfer, said they're helpless, powerless. It's terrifying. Nothing could possibly tame this beast. Nothing could possibly control such chaotic forces. Mark chapter 4, verse 39. Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Let's pray as we open his word. Father, we thank you uh, that you have... um, given us your word. Lord Jesus, you have spoken to us. And so, so Lord, today, help us to listen. Help us to open our hearts and our minds to what you have to say and not ignore it. And put it into practice, Lord Jesus. In, in uh, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you've got a Bible, turn to Mark 4.35. I hope you've got one as you walked in. That would be great. Uh, and if you've got that lovely shade of pink outline, it's only a short outline, but it will help. I do encourage you to write, scribble some things down and to try to remember some things that we've talked about today. Mark's account of Jesus calming the storm. It's an eyewitness account, uh, probably recorded by Peter and then passed on to Mark. We're going to note a couple times the precise details in the story which lead us into thinking that these were recollections of someone who was there at the time and actually saw it. That's the underlying theme of the next four weeks, by the way. These are eyewitness accounts of four miracles Jesus performed. They're four signs that tell us who he is and why it matters, these miracles who Jesus is and why it matters. Well, verse 35, verse 35 tells us something of the the setting. So, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side of the, uh, let's go to the other side. That's the Sea of Galilee, the, the Lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, it's the same thing. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus had been teaching around the shores of Galilee, around the shores of the Sea of Galilee, I should say. For as chapter 1 verse 38 tells us, this is what Jesus said he had come to do, preach the good news. So as we read in Mark 4, this is what we find Jesus doing. He's preaching. Listeners, therefore, must respond to God's word like seed in good soil. See that in verse 30. In fact, the kingdom of God grows by the word of God. In verse 30 to 32, it's what he's been preaching. And so now in verse 35, Jesus leaves the crowds behind and he's still in the boat 
from where he was uh, preaching, close to the shore, uh, similar to this picture here. Don't think Galilean cruise ship or anything like that. Uh, and on his suggestion, his suggestion, he and the disciples, uh, with some other boats. Now, that's an interesting little point, isn't it? Mark wants us to know that they, the witnesses were not just him. There were other witnesses. There were other boats who were traveling with him. So on his suggestion, Jesus' suggestion, he and the other disciples begin the journey to the other side of the lake, the sea. But it was evening time. And that's when the storms were most common, uh, most dangerous. The Sea of Galilee is surrounded by high mountains, uh, except the south. So you can sort of see in this picture there, if if you've seen the Sea of Galilee, so high mountains around then there's the gap in the south and that's where the the winds often come through and particularly late in the day or early evening it's a violent or the perfect cocktail for violent storms and winds as i said especially later in the day now i wonder at this point if the disciples many of whom were fish experienced fishermen and experienced watermen as well i wonder if they were starting starting to doubt jesus suggestion I wonder if they looked at each other and went, uh, look at the time. Well, they wouldn't have pointed to their watches, would they? Um, look at the time. It's late in the day. The storm's coming. Is this such a good idea? Well, the storm did come. The wind got up. The swell rose and the waves broke above the boat or over the boat, began filling up. Can you imagine? You ever been in something like that before? No doubt some panic, fear, it's out of their control. They were helpless. No one really knew how to swim. Don't expect Grant Hackett's and Ian Thorpe's on that boat there. No one really knew. They were, they were at the mercy of the wind and the waves. A, a chaotic, terrifying scene. So much so that, as we'll see in a moment, these experienced fishermen thought they were going to die these men who had been on the water countless times before thought they were going to die but jesus turns chaos into calm amidst all this we find in verse 38 jesus in the stern sleeping on a cushion (laughs) taking a nap getting a little shut eye having a kip And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? This was your idea. There's a sense of rebuke in how they speak to him. Master, you're not looking after us. Teacher, come on, do something. It's almost like they're saying, Teacher, or Jesus, pitch in, will you? All hands on deck. I don't think that's what exactly they're saying. They're expecting something a bit more. Well, Jesus did do something but much more than they expected. Verse 39, he got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. With just a word, with just a word from Jesus, calm was restored. That same powerful word that was preached to them around the shores of Galilee about the kingdom of God now controls the wind and the waves. Who is this man? 
I, I imagine the disciples, you see, who grew up singing the Psalms, would have remembered Psalm 104, verse 7. But at your rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. In Psalm 107, verse 29, he stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. Psalm 106, verse 9, he rebuked the Red Sea and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. Or finally, Psalm 93, verse 4, mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Jesus is no ordinary man. I remember as a, as a kid um, in, the, in the waves at the beach, standing about waist high, standing there before the waves came and going, stop, and then getting smashed by them. Again, stop, and they, they didn't stop. The waves just kept coming, and I couldn't stop the waves. It's one of those things that only kids can get away with. You, you don't want to do it as an adult. Um, otherwise, people might think you thought you were God or something. Uh, who is this that can control the wind and the waves? Let's take a few moments uh, to see the context of this passage in Mark's Gospel in a bit more detail. Jesus has been preaching the word with great authority and power and many had come to listen. But in this incident and in chapter 5, we see Jesus demonstrate that he's not just a good teacher. He is no ordinary man. What makes his words powerful and authoritative is that he is in fact God. The word of God, as John chapter 1 says, in the flesh, Jesus, the son of God, the Lord of the universe, who controls the wind and the waves because he made them. I've, um, I've surfed with dolphins uh, lots of times. Back in um, 2014, uh, Wes and I were, were, had a trip away together and um, it, it was, we, I'd, whenever the kids turned 13, I'd take them away, uh, just Dad and, and um, whether it's Wes and Eve and Archie's time is coming up. I encourage you to do something similar. Um, not with my kids though, that'll be weird. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, one day, um, we were at Boomerang Beach, we'd camped overnight and uh, got up pretty early in the morning. It was a beautiful day, the, the skies were clear, the water was clear, it was wonderful, the nice little waves coming through. And then we saw fins. Now when you see fins in the water, you need to do a number of things, but you need to make sure that they do this and not this. <laughs> You understand the difference? Um, fortunately, these fins did this. I have been in the water where a fin did this. Um, that's another story for another day. I got out of the water very quickly. But anyway, as these dolphins swam toward us, there's about, I don't know, about a hundred of them. There's heaps of them. It was overwhelming. It, and, and it does sound, I know, I know it's sounding all romantic and lovely and all that sort of stuff. And it was it was quite beautiful. But I want to tell you, but no, no matter how amazing and incredible this sounds, when they are this close to you and you could touch them, they're still a really big fish and it's right there next to you. And, and you suddenly realise this is not your domain, this is their domain. 
I still put my feet up my board and did this. <laughs> I'm not touching them. Happy to sit here. What we're told here in Mark chapter 4 is that it's Jesus who rules the wind and the waves. Not really the dolphins. It's not really the sharks. It's not me. It's Jesus. In fact, the whole universe is under his rule. He controls the wind and the waves because he made them. This miracle or sign demonstrates his authority over nature. He is the Lord over the wind and the waves. Now, this same point is repeated in chapter 5. In chapter 5, verses 1 to 20, and I hope you can sort of read that there, Jesus heals a man possessed. It's the next story in Mark's gospel. He's violently controlled by an evil Excuse me, an evil spirit. He heals this man, demonstrating his authority over evil. And in chapter 5, verses 21 to 43, Jesus heals a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. And in the same chapter, he raises Jairus' 12-year-old daughter back to life again. Jesus demonstrates his power and authority over sickness and death. He demonstrates his authority. He is the ruler of the universe. We ought to listen to the words of Jesus because they are the words of God. We ought to listen to the words of Jesus because they are the words of God. So are you listening to the words of Jesus today? As you read, as you listen, how will you respond to the word of God? For if they are the words of God, then they're not just worth listening to, actually they're worth living for. Words such as the parable of the sower, which only hours before this moment on the, on the, on the lake, Jesus had been shouting out from the shores of Galilee to the multitudes gathered. Jesus, after he's preached that parable, he, he then gathers his disciples together and he explains the parable to them. Let's listen to his words. Look at, uh, have a look in your Bibles in chapter 4, verse 14. Actually, let's go from verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. That's the seed. Some people like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what is sown. How will you respond to the words of Jesus, the word of God? Will the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things come in and choke the word? Or will you, as Jesus says, heal the, hear the word, accept it, producing a crop, good works in our life? 
See, we've all got to come to grips with the claims of Jesus. All of us do. Is Jesus really who he claims to be? Is he really Lord of the universe? Is he really God? Who, he say, who the Bible says he is? Who Mark 4 and 5 makes him out to be? Because if he is who he claims to be, then well, actually that changes everything. For example, let's go back onto the water again, back to the boat. It changes how we respond to fear. For it's that same Jesus who by his word brings calm from chaos. Quiet, be still. He said, trust in me, believe in me and do not fear. Now it's easy to fear, isn't it? like the disciples, to feel powerless, to feel helpless, having the chaos, or perhaps what Jesus called the worries of this life, control you, choke you. Perhaps we fear not having enough, not making ends meet. Perhaps because of sickness, or seeing a family member lying in hospital, attached to tubes, eyes shut, just hanging on, Perhaps we fear. Perhaps simply by watching the news and seeing the carnage of war and hate, or even the last 24, 48 hours of global upheaval in Europe, uh, political upheaval, and across the world as well, really, perhaps then we fear. Perhaps telling others that you follow Jesus fills you with such fear that you're almost paralysed when someone asks you what you did on the weekend. Perhaps you fear for your marriage or your children. Will I marry? What's God's plan for me? Or, or perhaps simply you fear death. Uh, what happens next after this life? It's easy to fear, isn't it? Well, amongst these pounding waves of the Sea of Galilee, the disciples, they're terrified. But let's notice how these disciples ought to respond. So we're on the third point in their outline. Verse 40, Jesus said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? In other words, Jesus is saying to them, Do you still not believe the word of God I've been teaching? Do you still not know who I am? He asks. And he, asks, and he says this despite of Mark 4 verse 11. Jesus told them, uh, that's the disciples, the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. And in Mark 4.34, he did not say anything to them without using a parable. That's the outsiders. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. Do you not yet know who I am? When Jesus asked, do you still have no faith? He means faith in himself who he is do you not yet know who i am friends faith in jesus following jesus following jesus is not a blind faith we don't shut our eyes and hope for the best and oh well i just give it a go no faith in jesus it faith in in jesus is what matters in jesus why because he's god in fact it's by faith in jesus that we know god's saving power it's through Jesus that chaos can be made calm, for he rules the universe. It's in Jesus that fear is broken. As the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, if God is for us, 
Who can be against us? But what's frustrating Jesus at this time is that it, it seems that they're, they're terrified. They're terrified. Now, in verse 41, they're not so much about the storm anymore, but it seems this, they're terrified because of this person standing in front of them. And they ask each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this? Well, the answer, of course, is God. In the presence of Jesus, they were in the presence of God, the ruler of all things, even the wind and the waves. Who or what then shall I fear? Well, if God is for us, who can be against us? But sadly, this connection is not made. This connection that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God in their midst has not yet been made in the hearts and minds of the disciples. This morning, let it be clear in our hearts and minds. Well, today we've met Jesus. Think. We've met Jesus. Jesus whose word calms the storm, whose word brings calm and comfort to his disciples, whose word brings growth as we hear it, as we accept it and as we are established in it. And it is indeed by his word, like the disciples that day, by which we are saved. So how will you respond to the words of Jesus today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came to this earth, you lived and died and rose again. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are indeed God. Thank you, Lord, that you have authority over all things. And thank you, Lord, it's by your word that we can be saved. So, Lord, today, help us to respond to what you said to us. Lord, help us to put our trust in you. Lord, today ought to be a day where we say... Uh, your word matters. Lord, help us to accept it and be established in it and grow in it and uh, produce a crop, as Jesus said in the power of the sower. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we can celebrate, Lord Jesus, that you died on the cross for us in a few moments' time. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Amen.